because I had a couple of reconstructive knee surgeries. Yes. I know you recovered on my couch. I did. There's probably still a sweat stain on that couch of my shape. I remember several nurses and at least two doctors coming in and confirming which knee they were working on. They mark it. Yeah. Well, I was a smart ass. I wrote on the other knee, please see other knee. And I put an arrow to the other knee, which I thought was hysterical. (laughs) My doctor didn't think it was so funny. Quietly. I noticed that this surgery, nobody asked me. Nobody marks your eye. Nobody just makes a big circle on your head. going into the room and they're like, hey, we're, we're doing your right eye, right? And I went, oh, are we? Are you sure? And she looked at me. I was like, yes, we're doing the fucking right eye. Like, <laughs> can we confirm this up front a little more? Can we write something? Three, so. two. The Apple Company presents a truly terrible podcast. Welcome to Nonsense, episode number 34. I'm Jeff Parker. I'm CJ Little. This is our take on the week's business tech and entertainment headlines. This time, CJ will discuss the miracle of -of state-of-the-art LASIK surgery. If you are thinking about getting LASIK surgery, you are going to want to hear this segment. He just went through it. And if you're squeamish when talking about eyes, I recommend not driving while we talk about this because you're probably going to blink a couple times. I thought I would be more squeamish than I was. It's really cool science. Everything you've told me so far. I'm I'm super into the technology. it It is amazing. And then here's the thing. It seems like it's really all tech. I mean, you're talking about it is all eye tech, mapping yeah. and, and lasers, you know, ablating tissue in your eyes. It's incredible. And right. by the well, way, don't give it away. Save it for the same. No, 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 but you're fine the next day. It's not like that's mind blowing. It's mind blowing, right? Yeah. Like my, you have your, my eye was reshaped last week and the next day I was 100% fine. And Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. It's Kobe Bryant day, 824, of course, for his two jersey number. They should have put them on separate jerseys. They did. Oh. In some ways, he almost kind of ruined the game for me for a little bit that I would watch because yeah. now you watch everybody else and you're like, well, that's not nearly. But you can't do that. Yeah, sure. exactly. Well, Michael Jordan, the same thing for yeah, me. I was totally. I was such a Michael Jordan fan. Same sort of thing. I watched Kobe Bryant's last game. I did not see his first game. So it was very early games, but I missed sure. his actual first game. He was young. So he was walking through LAX when he first was became a Laker. He was coming yeah. to Los Angeles for sure. the first time. And somebody said, because he's kind of you know, tall, and they said, wow, are you a basketball player? And he says, yeah. And they say, who do you play for? And he says, Lower Marion High School. <laughs> Forgetting entirely. Oh, yeah. I'm a Los Angeles Lakers. That's really funny. It's also Pluto demoted day. Maybe yeah. maybe that catches your no, attention. We shouldn't more. celebrate that. Why we should celebrate it. Why not? I feel like Pluto should have gotten grandfathered in. I know there's other shit there's on the no store. Grand, there's lots of other things out there, yeah, just as big. Like Pluto's all alone, in nineteen ninety two questions arose around Pluto's legitimacy as a planet after the discovery of large objects in its orbit around the sun, including one object that actually had a larger mass than Pluto itself. And eventually in two thousand six, after eighty years of being called a planet, the International Astronomical Union settled on a definition for planet, which ultimately excluded Pluto. From that point forward, it became known as a dwarf planet, also a Plutoid. I had no idea that the planets had unionized. As, as a camper, you might celebrate this. It's National Knife Day. I'm from Detroit. We celebrate National Shiv Day. Yeah, is this is different? similar. This, this is, is similar. similar. This is a more advanced version of that. Is this, isn't a shiv just a knife you make by yourself? Limited I, tools? A knife is something possibly a, a, shiv a piece of plastic you. or maybe wood or something. Sure. We actually use metal now and we call them knives. Knives. Yeah. yeah. One of humankind's first tools, the knife. How's your week going? You mean how's my week going like besides the earthquake and the hurricane that we had yeah, earlier? Other than that, other, other than, than that, everything's, everything's been fine. I mean, our first I'm, tropical um, storm since 1939. I'm just waiting for Godzilla to walk up from like the sea. That's the rest of your, of your bingo that's, card. That's the other that's thing I've got my bingo earth, card. Earthquake, tropical yeah. storm. Uh, Dean Devlin's Independence Day four ships landing on Los Angeles. I also have that. Is that right? Yeah. Speaking of Dean Devlin, an actor friend of mine yeah. is was complaining about the strike and how long it's been sure. going on. The writer sure. strike has been going on now for 106 days. The record uh, length of 
Labor Writers Strike is 153 days back in 1988. And the actors on, are on strike, uh, this is day 42, and okay. the record is 155 days okay. back in 2000. A little history, historical yeah. context there. Is there a quiz later? Should we write this down? There might be. Okay. My question for the actors is, they have huge social media following. Sure. You know, you've seen, yeah. you've seen actors on social media. They have yeah. enormous following. Why don't you go on your social media, all band together, you got to do sure. it all together, it's yeah, career yeah. suicide, yeah. and say, hey, everybody, do us a favor. This is Sally Struthers. This is very important for us. Please cancel all your streaming services immediately. Hey, can we produce this? Can we have like the Sarah McLaughlin music in the background? Yes, and be like, yes. These actors have been on strike for 42 Precisely. Days. Why don't they encourage all their followers to that, cancel their streaming doesn't services? Doesn't that seem like cutting off your nose to spite your face? A little? No. They'll, no? All, they'll all come back. I mean, everybody, everybody will come back to streaming. But in the meantime, the streamers are still getting paid. They're in sure. no, there's zero urgency to, to I, solve, resolve any of these strikes. So, but anyway, I mean, you know, you, you, you need to hit them someplace where it hurts. Get, the, okay. get people to stop paying their streaming What do you bills. want them to do? You're going to support the strike. You're no longer yeah, yeah. watching streaming content. By the way, I have friends on both sides of this. I'm not, sure. I'm not really on either yeah. side of, of this. But like, what should they go, like, play video games? Play Yahtzee? What Instead like, of watching streaming content? Yeah. Watch some YouTube, like, uh, Watch all network? the YouTube you want. So watch, all the tic- watch all the TikTok you Just want. All the Weather Channel. By the way, that's who they might want to be picketing against. Weather Channel? YouTube and oh. uh, TikTok, because that's where God, the I would love bulk of the world's viewers are these days. How would you picket the Weather Channel? No more rain. Like, what would you do? <laughs> like, what was I was in shock when Byron Allen bought it. I mean, it's a channel and it has weather. I know, but Those it's like... things are going away. Yeah, channels are going away. I got bad news for you. It's, it's all going to be IP. That's the channels are going away fast. I mean, literally, Disney's talking about getting rid of ABC. They want to sure. put it on the block. They basically want to sure. put it up for sale because they know the future is... This yeah. is... This, it's not here. Yeah. Do you use Carrot? Did I send you Carrot? No, it's Carrot. Carrot is the weather app I started using after Apple completely fucked up Dark Sky. I, I, I love Dark Sky. I was yeah, a big Dark Sky fan. Wrecked it. Carrot has this slider when you install it. Yeah. And you can set it to be like professional. How accurate do you want this to no, be? No, that'd be even funnier. <laughs> but it can be like professional, like a smart ass, or like ridiculous. Of course, I said oh, it's ridiculous. responses. Yes. And it's fucking hysterical. That's awesome. Like when you when you first go to the app, it'll, it'll be like, it'll literally say things like making up some bullshit while it's like pulling the weather I love feed. That. It's so much fun. Like it should be, every app should just have this little personality interface. I'm actually pretty impressed with the weather models that are in use today. Oh, they're insanely good. Because they told me two days ahead of time, yeah. they said, you're going to get ran at 11 a.m. on yeah. Sunday morning, whatever it was. You could have set your watch totally. by the fact of when, when, when the, rain started. It's like the native Android weather app you're getting that from? It was actually open weather but i think everybody i think everybody pretty much had it you're in ios i have the ios app and it told me when the earthquake was going to come oh that's yeah. that's fantastic yeah. i actually did get an alert for the earthquake yeah. that was maybe USGS. You know, yeah and it's what is it five seconds before you feel the, the earthquake you get theory. the buzz yeah, yeah. not enough to have because by the time i got to the end of the sentence you're going to have an earthquake now i was already having the earthquake <laughs> sure. it wasn't like i could do anything yeah. about it uh, you can also get uh tomorrow's the winning lot of numbers on the apple app oh i like that yeah that's good let's get to our headlines i think we should what to know about eg Five, the latest coronavirus strain. You know about this? Yeah, I got it now. We got, oh, do you? Yeah. Well, good for you. You look good. <laughs> just you must just be vaccinated. Away. With, must be vaccinated with something. You look fantastic. I mean, I feel like I had earlier. Remember those earlier episodes where I couldn't even talk into the microphone? Oh yeah, I was yeah, just yeah. Dying. Uh, but that wasn't coronavirus. I that know. was just something. General there. illness. Just general illness. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I have an enormous amount of friends who say uh, they're not, we're not getting the vaccine for that. We're, we got enough vaccines. We're done with getting the vaccines. And you know what my reply to them is? You, are, do they live in LA? These friends? Some do, some don't. You speak. Like, you know that time you're going up to pull it and your phone doesn't work very well yeah get the vaccine you get better 5g and then it well, works. well that is nice people don't, people yeah, don't yeah. think about the improvement you get in your 5g yeah when you get the vaccine
vaccine. I mean, sure. if they really, if they want to make people get more of the vaccine, they should have like a, they should give you access to like the diamond lane, the carpool lane on the freeway. You do get a benefit. You yeah. do get this enormous benefit. Say, for example, getting sick and not dying. Yeah, that's a bonus. I think that's a plus. Yeah, yeah. My feeling is I'm always, I'm always shocked when they're like, you know, I'm not going to get the new vaccine. It's like, great. I'll be first in line. <laughs> yeah, What's totally. wrong with Can you? Can I have yours? Can you get it for me? Exactly. Like, what part of being sick do you enjoy? It's two seconds. You get a thing and it put in an arm and it's all oh, over and it's no, by the way they say it actually makes a difference which arm you get shot in which arm yeah what do you mean in terms of where the soreness is when, yeah totally no 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 not the soreness you actually want to get vaccinated in the same arm as the last time you got vaccinated you want the vaccines okay. to always go into really? the same arm yeah i just no i just read this why it turns out it might make the immune reaction stronger i always just drop my pants and assume they're going to put it in my ass cheek sure i'm always confused and then i gotta go talk to the police and <laughs> and security for a little while right. not can't go back to that cvs no nope. <laughs> Add to the list. <laughs> the whole chain is going to yeah, yeah, ban you. Yeah. By the way, if there's any store I wouldn't mind being banned from, CVS would be pretty pretty high on the list. Why is that? I mean, pharmacies in general have gotten pretty bad. Oh, this is so... You and I live in different no, worlds. Really? Oh, I'm so man. blown away with how... I use two pharmacies. Okay. One of them is in the Valley, and one okay. of them is... You go to the Valley for a pharmacy? I don't go. They mail me my stuff. Oh, and wow. by the way, the CVS will deliver it. Wow. So I don't... So you don't go? I never go. Well, then of course you love the CVS. Use their website. It's the most is fabulous it, thing on the planet. Is it like DoorDash? Do they take some your pills when they come when yes. they bring it to you you're like no but there's supposed to be a 90 day supply and meanwhile the guy's like chewing on some of your well, blood pressure meds and you're like, so about 95 92 yeah. percent it's fine you get it's most fine. of your meds you want him to be healthy so you can bring him next month <laughs> that's great no but interestingly enough when he brings me my my meds my brown yeah. rice is missing totally he's like they didn't give it to me you're like god damn it, i know they gave it to you where's my arizona tea no they deliver it to the house i can't say enough positive things sure. about pharmacies in 2023 you, but i think you need more vitamin d you need to get out of the house now and again just leave once in a while. Russia's first lunar mission in decades crashes into the moon. Hey, at least they crashed into the moon and not something else. Right. Well, they didn't realize how close yeah. it was. And they, they just thought <laughs> they'd keep going and just went right into it. Fuck, it's right there. No, but as insurance. Oh, I'm, I'm sure all Russian spacecraft is heavily, sure, heavily, heavily insured. insured. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, no problem. My favorite thing about this whole story is it's it's called the Luna 25. Yeah. And the last time they launched one of these things was in August 18th of 1976. Okay. Guess what it was called? Minus one. The minus, Luna minus 24. Luna 24. That's great. <laughs> they were trying to, to beat India. They want to go to the South Pole of the moon okay. where they think there is frozen water, which we call yeah. ice sure. here in this country. Yeah, yeah. No, there. It's easy to like, you know, sneer and, and say, you know, another example of Russian gear that doesn't work. This could have happened to anybody. Of course. This is not. An, of course. Yeah, this is not only serendipitous. Could, it does. Yeah, right. I absolutely. Mean, it absolutely it does. does. Right. Meanwhile, India has landed successfully. X glitch wipes out most pictures and links tweeted before December 2014. It's also weird when you say X. Twitter. Because you say Because it doesn't sound like I'm. It sounds talking like talking about it. Yeah, it, it sounds, sounds like uh, I'm talking about it. Now I'm like anything. going through all your old girlfriends. I'm trying to figure this out. I'm like, what do you mean? What happened? I don't understand. Who do <laughs> one, I have to call? one of my exes deleted exactly. all of her pictures. <laughs> yeah, that's why they're your ex now, asshole. <laughs> that's what happened. They don't keep them around. If they do, no, you get she, a bigger problem. But the part of this story that kind of amazes me is yeah. they, they apparently have no dev environments. Everything goes right to production because uh, everything just breaks right it away. It does seem like they are doing this shit live. Doing it live, right. Yeah. They're, they're sending everything right into production. My hunch, and I don't know this to be factual, I'm just making this observation from 300 yards away is that they may have changed so much shit in production that they've drifted too far away from other environments and they're just that's easy to fix though you can fix those problems yeah it's it's labor it's labor intensive but you can do it oh yeah okay sure it's fixable yeah Yeah, sure of course it's fixable by the way with social media is there sort of an implicit promise that we're going to have this stuff online forever more it's probably not a bad idea to just say you know this this stuff's gonna last about six years five years nobody cares about it after that then we'll just delete it it's funny you bring this up reclaim the disk space i've been thinking about a lot so i've always felt like twitter for the most part is somewhat ephemeral yeah and you can like is that a bad thing not i I feel like you could you could you know 
log roll that and just have stuff that after some period of time just goes away or you sure. a quarter to go. I mean, I suppose you want to keep the old, old, old pictures so that you can yeah. catch this politician who was in but blackface not, 30 years but ago, that's not whatever. The, the scary part to me isn't the ephemeral stuff. It's the stuff that you have on other services that are social media, like Reddit, and that is real, like mind hive, like real knowledge. Yeah. And when that stuff goes away, you've actually lost something. No, that's a totally different thing. Exactly. It's a different animal, but, but you have the same problem. No, there are things they, definitely you don't want to lose. Mostly Twitter, I can't imagine you care. Well, no, see, Twitter's different. Twitter, I, I kind of wa- want to lose Ephemeral it. Is, is a is a, is a feature, yeah. not a bug. <laughs> it's a right. force feature. It's, For sure. pre- it's a premium feature. Tesla says massive data breach was an inside job. From the Department of Duh. It seemed kind of likely that that was the case. How big was this data breach was like 150 gigabytes it's right? enormous it's okay. enormous yes and they're basically saying like ooh, there were 75,000 ssn's in there so social, social security, security numbers, numbers. That's, okay. the that's, that's the problem that's bad like how about all the reports of you guys you know killing people with your fsd right we're not, right. We're not, we're not talking about that full self-driving some, cars some that social security numbers in go there? right into the yeah. telephone poles uh-huh. yeah sure sure elon musk apparently and then i'm just saying this as, a, as an outside observer it may not be true it just appears he's bad with computers the will to put smart technologists in a room and get them to think outside of what they might think is possible, I think is a skill and is valuable. Sure. And then putting that on the beta server and not actually on the production (laughs) server is probably a great idea. I think it depends on the thing. Like SpaceX, for example, you probably want to push pretty fast and blow shit up and have failures. That probably gets you there quicker. But the harm of blowing things up, it's literally just money. Who cares? You're throwing some dirt into the ocean. A tiny little debris, yeah, you're throwing into the ocean. Who cares? It's like Exxon Valdez style, but I think it's a reasonable trade-off. Right. Exxon Valdez is a much bigger problem. I don't think ramming a bunch of Model S's into telephone poles is worth it to make your FSD slightly less shittier. Meta threatens to fire workers for return to office infractions in leaked memo. Yeah, this is another... They want their employees back in the office and they want them back in the office right now. So again, instead of being like, hey guys, productivity is down, maybe yeah. you should focus on productivity. But saying, there's no sign that productivity is down. Exactly, that's my point. Like, yeah. they're, Instead they're saying, oh, we're, we are now going to force our managers to look at key card data. That's exactly right. To make sure that, that they're watching it and if they're not here for X number of days, whatever, three days per week, Three days a week, then, then you could be, you know, you get on and put on a pip or get fired. You as the employer, you can have whatever you want. Of course, if it's really important to you, everybody sort of. comes to the office. Have then then great, good, good on sure. you. Have them go. Don't pretend that it makes any difference in terms output, of productivity. Right? I mean, that's right. That's output the, is output is what you're interested in. Where I presume this is going to go is you're just going to get a whole bunch. Like remember how you used to have carpools? Like you live in the suburbs. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. In the van, you know, you drive the van in. Jeff drives one day. Sure. And drives another day. I'm assuming we're going to have the same thing, but instead of carpooling the people, it's going to carpool the key cards. Right. You just got to scan them. Totally. You know, just your day to go in and through, just sure. scan them all. Oh, beep, no, we beep. were all here. Yeah, everybody was here. Came at the same time. 200 people. We carpool, <laughs> we carpool in a Prius. <laughs> Poor fucking intern's got a stack of cards. <laughs> He's got a stack of cards. <laughs> the security guard's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Nothing. Scanning. No, it takes me about four hours. Remember like uh, remember like when you were in elementary school and you would, you'd fold up the, the construction paper and you cut up little people and you could- Sure, like, sure. Like, he'll just do like that. He'll just like have it come out of his cards. trench coat and just, <laughs> and just walk by. <laughs> beep, 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 and just put him right back. Wow. Everybody came in like- in the door totally. in one second. Well, yeah, they came in really very efficient. You and I have had have had businesses and we've had offices. Mm-hmm. So this is not something that's that's no. completely foreign to us. For me anyway, the tendency to build a clubhouse sure. is very strong. Of course. It's not productive. Of course. But it's strong. So I kind of understand why it's fun to have everybody under the same sure. roof. We have birthday parties. We have a sure. big social thing. It's it's great. And and I think I can be more productive because I can go walk into your office and say, hey, can you give me the blah 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 right away? Yeah. And it turns out probably I'm not more productive, but that instinct to have a clubhouse well, is, very, is very strong. Yeah. Uh, well, good thing it's only Meta that's doing this. Oh, wait a minute. Our next story, Amazon relies on serendipity oh, yeah. for office 
return. This is even better. Employees want data, but Amazon is saying they won't give the data to back up their decision to require workers to come to the office. I actually think Amazon is saying they don't have the data. Oh, they, they claim exist. they have data, but it's just hard to tell that that's what it says. The, yeah. the actual data is very hard to come by, they say. Yeah, there's a lot of hand-waving going on in there. Right. By the way, what you're doing at AWS is extremely quantifiable. Sure. I mean, if there's ever yeah. a business where what of you're course. doing is quantifiable, that's, that's it. That's the place. Yeah, so yeah. You, can, you can know if, what productivity yeah. is like. If you think people sitting at a desk, especially in technology from 9 to 5, is them, quote, doing their job, man, you are not fucking paying attention. You're looking at the wrong thing. Because you can watch cat videos for 9 hours. Sure. And nobody knows. And you're like, whoa. Or worse, you'll call other people Bobby's in to see this time. cat totally. video. Oh, and now you're, cat. now you're dragging down yeah. productivity. Sure. Okay, enough with the headlines. Up next, CJ, who just got LASIK surgery, is going to tell us all about it. Well, there goes all my thunder. You may know that yes. pe- people say hindsight is twenty twenty. Okay. Do you think that's true? That hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. Uh, no, there are frequently times when I look back, I have absolutely no idea no, what in the world was going on back then. No idea then. what happened. Sure. Sometimes, sometimes hindsight is just pure blindness. Sometimes, yeah. That's yeah. that seems to be the case for me as well. Uh, but as it turns out, only one in three adults actually have twenty twenty vision. That seems like a lot. A third of us have. It's, I can read type from twenty feet. Is that the story? Yes. Yeah, so you can. Well, yeah. You can read a specific type from yeah. from twenty feet. Here's what's crazy. Twenty twenty is not perfect vision. Twenty twenty is average vision. But it's not average version if it's only it, one third of the people. Well, that's what's can I kind of, can I help you with math? Because <laughs> it's not. I understand. But what's crazy is they was there a time when that was I, average so vision? I looked for a bunch of distribution data on this, by the way. The best I could find was a, a report that I think the Navy did on adults in the 60s. Okay. And about 53% of the people had 20-20 or oh, better. Oh, so it really did have better vision it, back it, in the day. It's unclear to me if that's the case because yeah. there are, and it, here's the other thing about vision, it changes over time. Right, of course. So it's hard to, to take like a young person compared to an old person, which is why here you say specifically adults. If you think yeah. all humans, it looks like we perform better than 2020 slightly. But if you take just older adults, like 18 and older, yeah. you're a little bit worse than 2020. Sure. It's not a perfect science uh, on, on assessing vision is, is kind of what I came up with. But, but it's not bad. It was even worse before. And here's where I want to start. What does 2020 vision mean? You already sort of alluded to it. Where we? I don't actually know. I think it's looking at, at type from 20 feet. Is that true or not? Yeah. What it's supposed to mean is that you, if you have 2020 vision, you see at 20 feet what the average human sees at yeah. 20 feet. That's what it's intended It's one to mean. of those lines of type that I can still read that's a yep. certain size. Yep, that you didn't memorize beforehand in line DMV. Where this came from was the Dutch ophthalmologist, uh, Dr. Herman Snellen. And he invented that 2020 vision test in 1862 to standardize vision testing. Oh, that's cool. Now, well, here's what's nuts. Before that, every doctor had their own method of determining how well their patients could see. Well, sure, sure. So uh, uh, one 17th century doctor presented a row of mustard seeds to his patient and measured how far they could step back before they couldn't count them anymore. Oh, that's fascinating. I feel that's like that's awesome. what we should still be doing. No, that's great. You just keep backing up until you cannot no or longer count the mustard seeds. Or you just move forward and make a sandwich. <laughs> or you just remember how many. And then sure. you're a thousand yards away. You're like, there's still seven. <laughs> Coming to go farther back? How far should I go? I saw you put those two in your mouth. (laughs) Totally. So Snellen streamlined these methods with a uniform ratio for measuring eyesight. Instead of mustard seeds, he used standardized characters called octotypes and created that distinctive typeface that's still used today, right? His charts were an instant hit. Everyone ad- adopted them. He Doctors created the typeface in those charts. He, so apparently he created the typeface in those charts oh, too. Oh, wow. Which by the way, has changed over time because the original one had serifs 
and the new one does not, which okay. I also thought was interesting. But I didn't Is it want harder to read with serifs or is it harder to read without serifs? Serifs make it easier for you to go from letter to letter, but harder to dis- distinguish the individual, individual letters. letters. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's what I, th- I think. I'm not certain about that, but I think that's what the case is. The 2020 vision chart measures visual acuity or the sharpness and clarity of your vision. A patient who can see the Snellman characters clearly from 20 feet away has 20-20 vision. So how this ratio works is the first number stays constant since the patient always measures the visual acuity from 20 feet away. Okay. The second number compares your vision with this average. So if your vision is 20-30, that means you can read letters at 20 feet that most people can read from 30 feet away. Okay. By the way, as an aside for you, yes. Uh, the 2020 designation only applies to countries that use the British imperial system of feet. Where the metric system dominates, that standard is 6-6 six, six vision. As it should. <laughs> Meters. Yes, of course. But how much less? Like, oh, yeah, oh, man, Jeff, he's got that 6-6 six, six vision. He can really see. Like, we say fucking 2020. Just stick with 2020. <laughs> no. I'm a big fan of the metric system. 6-6. Six, six. Six, six? Okay. So you got to tell people now that you've got 6-6 six, six or 6-9 six, vision. <laughs> so if you've got 2015 or 2010 vision, right, or even 28 vision, uh-huh. That's something that's widely sought after in certain fields because that means you see better than the average person. Okay. Now, the average Major League Baseball player's vision is about 2013. I found that interesting because I never associated having better vision is sort of a necessity to making you a better athlete, especially oh, in sports that's required. I sit very close to where those batters are swinging at those yeah, balls. Totally. I can assure you they have magic vision I totally. don't have. They are seeing things I'm not seeing. Which is interesting because now I'm wondering, with my eyes being better, one of the challenges I've always had when, as you know, I race cars as a hobby, I a lot of times can't see my braking point until it's too late. Yeah. And I always assume it's because I'm a bad driver. Well, now I'm thinking I'm actually <laughs> be a less bad driver because now I can see the fucking braking point on the track, sure, I sure. think. So the we'll mark. see. I'll still be terrible, but maybe... Maybe I'm faster. Let um, me let me back up. And yeah. while we're still on the topic of baseball, we have a pitcher, Julio Urias, yeah. who uh, is a miracle of modern science. He's had 16 or 17 eye surgeries. Holy shit. And he's one of the best pitchers in the MLB. Wow, that's crazy. It is purely a, a testament nuts. to the amazing abilities of science to correct his vision yeah. that he's able to pitch at wow. all. One study that, I read. That and a great arm. Yeah, well, you need both those, those two things to go together, right? Yeah. One study suggested that approximately 60% of their baseball playing subjects between 20 and 35 years old had visual acuity of 2015 or better, and approximately 20% demonstrated 20, 12 and a half or better. Yeah, I would think. That's crazy. I would think. Now, we currently believe that 28 vision is the absolute best possible for humans. Uh-huh. So we think there's actually some physics in the eye that you can't get past to be better than 28. Got X amount of resolution. That's all you got. Yeah. And the, I went deep down the resolution rabbit hole. I didn't include it in this episode, but that, that should be a future thing because it's pretty cool that we figured out maximum resolution for the eye. That's cool. Okay. So where does this matter? Airline and commercial pilots, ATC operators, they need to see distance of 2020 or better and intermediate 2040 or better in each eye separately. But they're allowed to use now, corrective lenses. Air Force pilots, they require visual acuity of 2030 without correction and distance acuity of no worse than 2070 in each eye that's correctable to 2020. Okay. And they have other refraction and, and uh-huh. astigmatism requirements. But that doesn't affect most people, right? Most folks aren't pilots or, or traffic control operators. State-issued driver's licenses, most states require around 2040 in one or both eyes to get a license. Okay. Now, California is interesting. They require 2040 in both eyes or one at 2040 and one at 2070 better. Okay. I thought that was like, okay, sure. And this is why I would always come close to feeling my California driver's test is my right eye was not 2070. It was worse than 2070. What was your right eye? Measured it at 2200. Because I, I remember you having like almost no vision in that yeah. right eye. And when you get to 200, my doctor's like, yeah, we kind of, we're kind of making yeah, it up at right. that point. So check this out. A handful of states, Maine, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Wyoming, their requirements are only 2100, which is insane. Like it makes me kind of not want to drive. Well, they those. have wide roads with I no guess. one on them. No people on them. Yeah. 
Yeah. South Carolina takes the cake, though, 2120 or better. Oh, my word. In, quote, the functioning eye. That's insane. What the fuck happened to everybody's second eye in South Carolina? Why do they say in the functioning eye? (laughs) I thought that was nuts. A Um, A lot of car crashes. Also, as an aside, since we have a lot of California listeners, if your license says you need to drive with corrective lenses and you're pulled over not wearing them, you could be cited. The fine sure. for that is $238, but it's also one point. So you actually get a point on your record for, for driving, driving without glasses. Yeah. yeah. Now, from what I've read, previous law enforcement officers have said that it's extremely unlikely that they'd ever even ask about this, let alone cite you for it. But your mileage may vary. Why am I talking about this today? I've always had good vision in my left eye, yeah, but terrible vision in my right eye. Right. And it's due to an astigmatism that I've had since since birth. And I've had glasses for it that kind of help it a little bit, but I, I pretty much never wear them. And those are, are common and generally treatable imperfections in the curvature of the eye that causes blurred distance and near vision. Okay. This occurs when either the front surface of the eye, the cornea, or the lens inside the eye has mi- mismatched curves. And instead of having one curve like a round ball, the surface is more sort of like egg-shaped. egg-shaped yeah. yeah. And that's what causes blurred vision at, at all distances. And you can have astigmatisms on either axis and really in, in any axis within the eye. It's just when your eye is not round. It's just this. So when I'm squinting, I'm squeezing the shape of my eye so I can bring you into focus. Is that what's yeah. happening? So now the treatable part is what I want to talk about today, right? This is all sort of the buildup to this, this thing that's quote unquote called treatable. Up until last week, my right eye wasn't really doing anything for me, right? Maybe helping yeah. me with a little depth perception. And you mentioned squeezing. When I'd have to do the individual eye test at the DMV, I could, quote, squeeze my eye with my face to bring that eye into focus so that I could sort of make out a couple letters. And I basically cheated my way through my past two DMV tests. Oh, wow. Right? Every five years. But it was getting harder. The last time I got it, a couple of years ago, the woman who administered was like, yeah, you're you're not going to pass this next, next time. So years ago, probably 20 years ago, I went in for my routine eye exam and I asked about having that eye treated. And the doctor told me at the time that uh, at least then, it was too misshapen for them to help. He's like, you have bad astigmatism, you're fucked. All right. So I just continued to, to live my life without it. Right. Well, as science and technology has the tendency to do, uh, at my eye exam last year, I asked my new ophthalmologist, and to my surprise, he said he could absolutely fix it with the current state of LASIK, which yeah. I actually found hard to believe. I was like, wait a minute. They said before you couldn't do anything with this, and now he's like, yeah, I can fix that no problem. You were thinking technology stands still. Well, I didn't think medical technology like that really advanced that fast. Oh, but, yeah. But if you think about it for more than a second, you're like, no, it actually really fucking does. All technology does. is yeah, advancing totally. that fast. So I was like, okay, I'm beyond intrigued. I did a b- bunch of research on this and I said, I'm, I'm just going to I'm gonna go in and have my, my right eye corrected. And the experience I've had, it's been just a, a little over a week, has been amazing. So I went from 2025 in my left eye, which is almost perfect, mm-hmm. to 2200 in my right eye. And immediately after a 20 minute procedure on my right eye, I'm now 2025 in both eyes, wow. which is absolutely incredible. As a little disclaimer, I don't like talking about putting things in my eye or cutting my eyes or shooting no, not lasers my into favorite, my eye. not my favorite subject just, either. It just makes me want to close my Although eyes. Although one of my favorite Jack Nicholson lines is, yeah. I'd rather stick needles in my eyes. <laughs> I wish I could do a Jack Nicholson. That's a pretty good Jack Nicholson. It's no, not it's terrible. terrible. But the line is great. If you're like me and, and these things make you uh, squeamish, you might not want to be driving for the rest of the segment because I'm going to describe how this LASIK process works and it's pretty nuts. The formal name of these types of surgeries is is, quote, refractive surgery. Sure. Right? And it's an optional eye surgery used to improve the refractive state of the eye and decrease or eliminate dependencies on glasses or contact lenses. Mm-hmm. This can include various methods of surgical remodeling of the cornea, which is called, I'm going to screw up this pronunciation, 
keratomelosis, lens implantation, or lens replacement. Right? These mm-hmm. are all different things that they can do. Theoretical work on it's mind-blowing this. that we can replace oh, the yeah. lens in your eye. Oh, yeah. Oh, we can hear about the timeline on this. So theoretical work on this was first. Can I get like a Carl Zeiss lens? Are there specialty lenses you, I can get so I can dude, have really, really great vision? You laugh, but when you're inside these rooms, Zeiss makes a whole bunch of the optics oh, on I'm this sure, and I'm some sure, lasers. I'm sure that's true. Right? It's like they're not far away from this process at all. Theoretical work on refractive surgery was first published by a Norwegian ophthalmologist in 1885. So it's gone back, a, you know, quite some time. Mm-hmm. In 1930, the Japanese ophthalmologist Tsutomu Seitu made the first attempts at performing this kind of surgery, hoping to correct the vision of military pilots. His approach was to make radial cuts in the cornea, correcting effects by up to six diopters. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, the procedure produced a high rate of uh, corneal degeneration and was soon rejected by the medical community. But the point was, in the 30s, they were trying to do this. Yeah. The first proficient refractive surgery technique was developed in uh, Bogota, Colombia in 1963. That technique called keratomelosis, meaning corneal reshaping, enabled the correction not only of myopia, but also of hyperopia. But this is both near and far-sightedness. Wow. It involved removing a corneal layer, freezing it so that it could be manually sculpted into the required shape, and then finally re-implanting the reshaped layer onto the eye. Wow. That sounds terrible. That's crazy. Right? In the 1980s, the first uh, surgery of this type in the U.S. was performed. Five years later, a non-freeze keratomelosis technique was introduced. However, it still remained a relatively imprecise technique. Mm-hmm. So you're at the 1980s. You kind of have this a little bit figured out, but it ain't great. Yeah, in, that, that's how all science works. Totally. Around the same time, in 1974, a refractive procedure called radial keratonomy uh, was developed in the USSR and later introduced to the US. This involved making a number of cuts in the cornea to change its shape and correct refractive errors. The incisions are made with a diamond knife. Oh. Following the introduction of this, doctors routinely corrected near sightedness, farsightedness, and astigmatism using various applications of incisions on the cornea. Unrelated to, to eyes, in the 1970s, there were experiments being performed using these xenon dimmers, and in 1975, using noble gas halides, resulted in the invention of a type of laser called an excimer laser. And this is important, right? Okay. So uh, this, these excimer lasers were initially used for industrial purposes. In 1980, a scientist of IBM was using an excimer laser to make microscopic circuits and microchips for informatics equipment, discovered that the laser could also be used to cut organic tissue with high accuracy without significant thermal damage. Mm-hmm. And, and let's just uh, be clear about how he discovered that. I'm assuming it was like a shop teacher in wood it, class. It cut his hand, right? Just cut, it just, just accidentally cut his hand. had yeah. his hand in the wrong place. Yeah, and it didn't, and there was just no heat. Sure. So the discovery of an effective biological cutting laser, along with the development of computers to control it, enabled the development of new refractive surgery techniques. In uh, 83, a scientist at Columbia University performed the first photorefractive keratectomy, or, or PRK, or keratomelos in situ, which means without separation of corneal layers in Germany. Mm-hmm. So you see, you're starting to see like the progress on the speed up. The first patent for this approach, which later became known as LASIK surgery, was granted by the USPTO on June 20th, 1989. So you didn't really see the first patent and reduction to application until the late 80s. Yeah. This particular surgery, right, LASIK, is what I wanted to focus on here, because that's what I had done. Right. As of 2018, roughly nine and a half million Americans have had LASIK. And globally, between 1991 and 2016, more than 40 million procedures have been performed. Okay. So it's been done a lot. It's a quick procedure. It's only 15 minutes Super or quick. so. Yeah. Super quick, right? right? And and especially as time has gone on, it's gotten just more and more safe, right? Less and less complication. You just dial in some information into the machine and it, Pretty much. And it zaps the person's I mean, eye and you're good to go. It For me, it was so efficient. It feels like you could almost do it at a kiosk. Not to take Ooh. it away from my surgeon and his, and his <laughs> wow. assistant, but like I could see a world where there's like a, like a photo booth that you just go shove your head in 
in. You put like three twenty dollar bills. And how in. do you keep your eyes open? How do you force your eyes to stay open? Uh, there's a there's like a little robot arm that puts a little spreader. Oh, on. is that true? Oh, oh well, uh, here I'm gonna I'm gonna walk you through how this works. Hang on before you do. Coming up, CJ is gonna walk us through how LASIK surgery actually works. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm a pro. I can do it. So LASIK can be used, you know, type of refractive surgery and can be used for the correction of myopia, hyperopia, and is an actual cure for astigmatism okay. since it's in the cornea, right? It'll actually reshape sure. the cornea. It's performed by an ophthalmologist who uses a laser or a microkeratome to reshape the eye's cornea in order to improve visual acuity. For most people, it provides a long-lasting alternative to eyeglasses or contact lenses. There are three basic steps to LASIK. They first cut a flap in the cornea. They then use a laser to remodel the eye, and then they reposition the flap. That's it. Okay. Before they begin, they usually administer a couple of Valium to get Flap you- Flap in the cornea. Yeah. They're cutting a little- Wait, Moon-shaped thing in the, it, to be able to pull it away? Yes. Wow. It's crazy. Wait till you hear this. Before they begin, they usually, they usually administer a couple of Valium to get you relaxed. Mm -hmm. They have you stare into a diagnostics machine to map out your eye in great detail, which okay. is amazing. Then you lay flat on your back and they cover your non-operative eye. My doc also gave me a very cute little stuffed animal dog to hold on to, and he said his name was Max, which just made me smile because I'm like, oh, that's my son's name. Sure. All you have to do now as a patient is lay still and pretty much point your eye where they tell you to point your eye. And the first- Do they hold your head steady nope. so you- Nope. What happens if you move your head? Yeah, your eye falls out. Right. You cut your ear. <laughs> totally. <laughs> they have really good tracking on these things, but that's also one of those questions that was going through my head, and I'm like, I'm not going to be the guy to find out. Fuck no, that. No, sure. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll watch a YouTube video of some asshole that did that. It ain't going to be me. Uh, okay, so the first step is, is creating this flap. So this is a flap on the cornea, and this is the part that definitely made me a little squeamish yeah. before I had it done. They fix a soft corneal suction ring to your eye, which is designed to hold your eye in place. As they increase the suction on this, it causes a transient dimming of the vision in the treated eye. Okay. So let me let me just lay out this this scenario for you here. I'm flat on my back yeah. in a cold room with two people, one who I presume is a doctor. Yeah. They've got a like a covering on your good eye. So your good eye is covered. Yeah. They put this ring on your other eye, and as soon as they bring up the pressure, it just goes dark. So this thing is touching your eye. It's you know, it's well, your eye is numb. So they, they've already numbed your eye, so you don't feel anything. Okay. You feel very mild discomfort around your eye. It's like on your eye socket. And as they bring the suction up, it literally, and they, they tell you all this beforehand so you don't uh -huh. freak out, but it just goes I dark. think I'd freak out more knowing. I know, right? I'm fascinated by it. You'd, you'd nerd out on it too. So I'm just yeah. fascinated by it. So as they bring up the suction, you lose vision in that eye temporarily. Now okay. this process is really quick. It's going to take me longer to describe it than for them to actually do it. But once the eye is immobilized, this flap is created by cutting through the corneal pithelium and the Bowman's layer. These are the two layers on the top of the cornea. Okay. These reach like 50 to 60 micrometers and 8 to 12 micrometers thick, respectively. That total thickness is about the thickness of a human hair. Right. So you're talking about a very precise cut. And the flap is usually created in one of two ways, either with a mechanical oscillating metal blade called a microkeratome uh -huh. or using a femtosecond laser. Mine was created with the latter, this femtosecond laser. I would I'm, think they would all be created using a laser now. So I did a d decent amount of research on this, and I'm no ophthalmologist, but it seems like the blade is just well known, right? It's been on for 20 years. Yeah. It's, it's the devil that they know. Mm -hmm. The femtosecond laser is newer, not new. It's been around for at least, it looks like 10-ish years. The data that I could find on it looks like it's overall better, just general better solution. And I, I think more and more folks are moving towards it. You also have a whole bunch of people that invested in, you know, these little knives. Right. Older that, equipment. Yeah, exactly. But it seems like 
the the field, the profession is moving towards these femtosecond lasers. And these things are incredible. So the advantages of using this laser, by the way, are that it reduces the incidence of flap complications, which is one of the biggest sort of concerns you have with, with this laser yeah, procedure. Yeah, I, I would think you could be much more precise with the laser. Yep, yep. Gives, the, gives the surgeon greater control uh, and choice over uh, flap diameter and thickness. It's got increased precision with improved flap safety and better thickness predictability. And it's capable of cutting thinner flaps to accommodate thin corneas and high refractive errors. Right. So, you know, good to go to somebody who's been uh, on the forefront of their game and has upgraded their equipment. Yeah. I made sure they had all the windows updates applied when I got the there. The windows Everything updates. Was current, right? <laughs> I was like, I want to get in there and hear this thing, the startup sound. Blue screen of death. Totally. Fuck. Sorry. Sorry about your eye. Overall, the goal here is to create a series of tiny, closely arranged bubbles within the cornea with a hinge left at one end of this flap. The flap is folded back, mm -hmm. revealing the stroma in the middle section of the cornea. The process of lifting and folding back the flap can sometimes be uncomfortable. In my particular case, it was not. I mean, my eye was numb. Right, you didn't, Nothing know, you didn't know what was happening. Yeah. What's a femtosecond laser? I had no idea. What's a femto first laser? So, uh, good, good question. I'll bet the femto third laser is even better. Oh, it'll, it'll just keep improving. So a femtosecond laser is an infrared laser with a wavelength of uh, 1,053 nanometers. Okay. A femtosecond laser, like the most common type of laser, which is a neodyme-doped eutridium aluminum garnet laser. The kind you buy at Home Depot. Total mouthful. Works by producing photodisruption or photoionization of the optical transparent tissue, such as the cornea. They both sort of do the same thing. An application of either laser results in the generation of a rapidly expanding cloud of free electrons and ionized molecules. The acoustic shock wave so generated results in disruption of the treated tissue. Oh, wow. They both, again, sort of do the same thing, but where they, they differ significantly is in the amount of collateral damage they cause. The more common laser has a pulse duration measured in the nanosecond range. So a nanosecond is one billionth of a second, right? Sure. 10 to the minus nine. A femtosecond laser has a pulse duration in the femtosecond range, which is 10 to the minus 15. Now, wow. You, you don't hear femtosecond thrown around, and there's a good reason for that. A femtosecond is one quadrillionth of a second, which yeah. still doesn't make any sense to me. That's one millionth of one billionth of a second. Yeah. So to put that in perspective, a femtosecond is to a second as a second is to about 32 million years. Yeah. Like that is insane how fast that is, right? A ray of light travels approximately 0.3 micrometers in one femtosecond. That is a distance comparable to the diameter of a virus. That's just how fast we're talking about here, yeah. right? It is, That's cool. By reducing the pulse duration, this reduces the amount of collateral tissue damage. Right. In fact, the collateral tissue damage with a femtosecond laser is 106 times less than with the more common laser type. So this makes femtosecond lasers safe for use in corneal surgeries, which require this amazing sort of exquisite precision. Very cool. So the first one of these was designed in the early 1990s out in the University of Michigan, but the technology has evolved significantly from its introduction. Laser firing frequency has increased from 10 kilohertz in 2002 to over 150 kilohertz in these sort of fifth generation intralace femtosecond systems, which are uh, sort of circa like 2016, 2017. Uh -huh. the higher yeah, well, those 10 kilohertz ones, those are crap. Those are total shit. What garbage. The higher frequency allows reduced flap creation time and lower energy per pulse, leading to a smoother corneal stromal bed, which is really important, right? The, the smoother you get that, the less of these sort of side effects you can have, which mm -hmm. we'll talk about a little further down. But let's get back to the procedure. Yeah. Once the suction ring is centered over the pupil, suction is applied when proper centration of the ring has been ensured and verified. The docking procedure is then initiated while keeping the suction ring parallel to the eye. Okay. In a plantatine glass, contact lens is used to stabilize the globe and to flatten the cornea. So now you've got, you know, the suction on your eye, you can't see out of it. There's a little piece of glass that flattens out the cornea. 
Once the laser's computer has confirmed centration, the surgeon administers the femtosecond laser treatment. Each pulse of the laser generates free electrons and ionized molecules, leading to the formation of microscopic gas bubbles dissipating into the surrounding tissue. Okay. Multiple pulses are applied next to each other to create a cleavage plane and ultimately the LASIK flap. Suction's then released. A spatula is then carefully passed across the flap, starting at the hinge and sweeping inferiorly to lift the flap for the next step, right? Wow. The axiom laser ablation. Uh-huh. Here's what's nuts. I went through this. Everything I just described to you happened in about 45 seconds seconds. Sure. It's pretty much instant. Now, when that's done, my doc, and I'm assuming all docs, want you to basically sit there for about five minutes, let the, the gas bubbles dissipate, mm-hmm. which is nuts because while this is happening, I'm seeing a light show. Like I'm, I'm sure you are. Which yeah. is kind of crazy. Kaleidoscope right? in your actual eye. Totally. So you're just sitting there and you're like, there is this moment in my mind where I'm like, was this a good idea? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Am I really sure? Did I, <laughs> did I read the right Wikipedia page? I'm not sure what's happening. <laughs> so you're on your back. They just finished with this laser. They then sort of pivot you over. You stay laying on your back to the next laser because they're separate, separate lasers. Two lasers. Yeah, two lasers. Now they can change the curvature of the cornea, right? Using this 193 nanometer eczema laser. Now an eczema laser... It's pretty cool. They're sometimes more correctly called an exaplex laser, but it's a form of an ultraviolet laser that is commonly used in the production of microelectronic devices, semiconductor, right, circuits, chips, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. eye surgery, and micromachining. They've been around since the 60s. They're widely used in high-resolution photolithography machines, one of the critical technologies required for chip manufacturing. Sure. And our longtime listeners may recall the deep dive we did into TSMC and the process they used to make those increasingly small um, uh, chips. Yeah, but that was extreme ultraviolet. Yeah, so here's what's nuts. Those smaller chips were the next step after eczema laser lithography, yeah. right? So extreme ultraviolet lithography, which we talked about on the show, is what came after these eczema lasers. I just think it's fascinating that the same laser that was making these chips up until, you know, call it five years ago, is the same shit they're using for our eyes. From the bit I've been able to figure out, and you cannot find a lot of information online, I will ask my my doc after this thing airs to, to tell me more about it, yeah. but it really comes down to that mapping process at the start. Oh, of course, of so course. So it gives you this image of your eye, and it shows you the, the misshapenness, right, of your eye. And then I believe he's interpreting that and then making some adjustments and tuning of where he wants to take out material effectively. Mm-hmm. So, because this, this eczema laser, it ablates the exposed surface to the desired shape by vaporizing the tissue in a finely controlled manner, right? Yeah. But it can't damage the adjacent stroma. So there's no real real burning with heat or actual cutting to ablate the tissue. The layers of tissue are removed are like tens of micrometers thick, right? So it's like tens of microns of thickness is what it's removing every time, which is just bonkers to me. So during the second step, your vision becomes blurry when they lift the flap. So once they pull that flap up, mm-hmm. like I, my, my vision was already pretty blurry. It got more blurry. So once that happened, I could see the white lights around the laser and I could sort of see this orange red, like soft dot that was inside the laser, but that was it. You were looking through like vaseline. Yeah, right, 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 right. And then this eczema laser uses an eye tracking system that follows the Can they put eye. me under before doing this? Yeah, it is an option, I think. Oh, it is? Because that would be they useful. do it for kids. I don't yeah. want to be around for that. Yeah. Just um, tell me when it's done. You know, I kind of thought that, but I got to say going through it, I was expecting like a seven-ish of, of discomfort, not yeah, pain, yeah, yeah. but of just like, because you can't even get eye drops in my eyes. Like I'm just- Right, I'm, right. Bleh. But I got to say going through it, it was, it was cake. It was like a one and a half or a two. Mm-hmm. The hardest part was, and I'll talk about this here in a second, was the recovery. Recovery, and even that was cake. So it really was like I do it again in a heartbeat. It's, yeah, it's yeah. It, it does not concern me at all. I mean, it wasn't uncomfortable. The Valium had something to do with that, but you know, who knows? I'm just squeamish. So me too. When it comes to my eyes, I know I'm, I'm crazy squeamish. I'm, I'm the same way. But now, if you're I don't think I could this, ever wear contact lenses because I don't think I could. That's put my them in my, eyes. my wife's joke is that it would be I couldn't even get eye drops into my eyes. She's yeah. like, there's no way you could ever wear contact lenses. Right. But now I haven't gone through this. Now I'm like, oh, I, I got, I've kind of got like over the hump, mm-hmm. right? Where I'm like, meh. 
it's not that bad. But also, I feel like the the procedure on me was a one hundred percent success. Like I'm like I'm having no side effects. Knock sure. on wood. Everything is, has been lovely. So this eczema laser uses an eye tracking system that follows your eye position up to four thousand times per second, redirecting laser pulses for precise placement within that treatment zone. Because you don't want to be wrong. Yeah, exactly. And think about your eye moving around. And the typical pulses are around one millijoule every ten to twenty nanoseconds. During this time, they're telling you to look at the laser, telling you to look at the little red red orange light that you they're see. Actually, saying head toward the light, CJ. The, the, basically, they're telling you that over and over. Now, yeah. what I found I was doing really subconsciously, my eye was drifting off to the side of the laser. I couldn't even explain why it was happening. Yeah. I'm trying to look at it, but I'm drifting off. And did off. they tell you that? Well, then they'd say, hey, look at the laser. They didn't tell me to correct. They'd say, look at the laser. So I'd snap back. Uh-huh. And then after a while, I was like, fuck, am I like ruining it? Like, what am I doing? Like, you... you this is a very fast process. Yeah. I'm pretty sure with this eye tracking, right. they've got this figured They're out. They're fine. They're right? fine. You're fine. I was in there for a quote long time. It was maybe about 90 seconds because I had about six diopters of correction that I needed, which is on the, on the real high side. And then once that's done, oh, by the way, it smells delightful when this is happening. Like barbecue? You do smell like a little bit of barbecue. Sure. So when that's done, <laughs> when that's done, then they, they put the flap down, right? They, they uh, Once the, the stromal layer has been reshaped, LASIK flap is carefully repositioned over the treatment area. Oh my God, you can see. Like as that soon as fast. that happens, you can see. Oh, that's it's amazing! Fucking crazy. When they put the flap down, do they play a sound effect like of a hood of a car yeah, coming totally. in? Yeah, it's a big, it's a big crunch. Yeah. And once they put it down, that little laser that I was looking at before, before mm-hmm. they picked the flap up, I could like see the lights, I could see the ring around it. When they put the flap down, I was like, holy shit! I can actually make out detail on it now that I couldn't see not even two, three minutes previous. That's amazing. I'm not even out of the chair yet, so my brain's already starting to go, you know, a little nuts. And um, the flap, so I'm like, okay, they, they must glue this thing back down, right? Like he's got like a caulking gun for a Home Depot. Sure. They put a little bit of shit in there and they just glue it down. That's what I assumed. Nope. It's just natural adhesion, right? Until the healing is complete. Yeah. And I'd say tip to tail, this whole procedure, maybe two minutes of me getting set up and comfortable, less than a minute to cut the flap. I had about five minutes of rest waiting for those air bubbles to, to dissipate. Up, sure. Like two minutes to reshape the eye and put the flap back down and you're done. Like you're out of the chair. Now, does the does your doctor literally do these surgeries back to back to back to back? Is, That's there, what is I there a line of people in the waiting room? So just, he, it's just a like a factory? My doc seems to be extremely good at this and really thought, thought this out. He only does it one day a week. Mm-hmm. He does it at night. And I was like, why do you do them at night? Yeah, that seems kind of weird. So he does them at night so that you can go home and rest and not have to be like worried about your eye feeling uncomfortable and you rubbing your eye. Cause that's the worst thing you can do is yeah, knock that right. flap out. But you got to be wearing some protective gear to keep so yourself from doing So they give you that, right? this like, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar looking yeah, set yeah. of goggles that you put on. And he's like, do not take these off until tomorrow morning. You sleep on them. That's just to keep you from rubbing or poking. Once the anesthetic wears off, there's sort of like three buckets of people. Roughly, it seems like a third each. Some feel nothing and are totally yeah. fine. Some feel like like slight discomfort and they're like it feels like there's like a like a piece of like sand or something in their eye uh-huh. and then the third bit are people that feel like there's tabasco in your eye like ooh, a burning ooh. i was between the second and the third like Yikes. it was when it, how long does that last well that's part of why you go to sleep you try to go to sleep to just shut that out by the time i got home it was evening i think i ate something within about an hour and a half of surgery it started to get pretty uncomfortable it felt like there's something in my eye I need to get out. And I just remember what he said. He's like, basically, just just if you can, just go to sleep. Yeah. And I did. I you ignore up. it. There's no drops. There's nothing that you, you don't can want to do. touch it. He's already put, he already put drops in before I left. Okay. You just, you don't want to fuck with it until at least the morning because you don't want to risk moving the flap. And I woke up a couple times during the night with quite a decent amount of tears coming out of my eye. Like it was definitely my body trying to flush out whatever I have was tears there. coming out of my eyes just hearing you describe I know, right? this. I know. So it was uncomfortable. I did not get a great night's sleep. Good news. I got two little kids. I don't get a great night's yeah, sleep. Yeah, you're used to it. So I'm used to it. And then I woke up the next morning and I was like, holy shit. Like even on the drive and home. And the Tabasco feeling is gone. Gone. 
pretty like maybe, the next morning. maybe like less than five percent left like a very slight discomfort but a very but, strong craving for mexican food but but and a burrito in my hand already yeah. which i also could understand even on the drive home from the surgery i was seeing shit that i've never seen before like even just like details in the distance remember i've got one eye that's just fine yeah so by the morning i'm waking up and i'm looking around the room and i literally said to danielle to my wife i was like you see that tv over there she's like yeah i'm like it says panasonic on the bottom and she's like oh fuck, this is, this is my life now isn't it yeah. i'm like yeah <laughs> like i could see so much better lasik is, is followed by a very high rate of divorce totally Totally. You do a follow-up appointment the next morning, basically make sure the flap is set down. Mm-hmm. He looked at it and he's like, the edges all look flat. There's no rippling. Like, you know, he's looking for things. No, the bubbles no sign are of infection. All bubbles, are, bubbles are out. Everything's fine. Yeah. He's like, everything looks clean. He's like, you're fine. Now he initially told me he would reassess in a couple months for a touch-up because you don't want to go too far, right? You want to try to reshape the eye, yeah. get good vision. And then uh, after it settles down in like three to six months, we reevaluate. And if we come back and we do another touch-up, he looks at my eyes. He's like, you're not going to touch up. He's like, you're, you're, this is you're good to go. Right. And I, I read on the chart, dude, I'm reading 2025 in each eye individually, just fine. What's even more nuts is my corrected eye. I can now see better than my uncorrected eye. That's cool. Cause my uncorrected and especially like even nearsightedness, like stuff up close, my right eye now is doing real work. Whereas before it wasn't doing anything. That's really cool. And I'm picking out letters at 2020. I'm doing about 50% at 2020, which is great. Now for the vision test, I was like, well, put it on 2040. I want to see 2040 for, you know, what I'm going to see at the DMV. And 2040, I'm like, no problem at all, dude, two shots of tequila and two more Valium. I'll be fine. <laughs> I got this. This is easy. And I think they encourage you to do that they before do. your driver's yeah. test. Well, maybe yeah. the driving test, the driving sure. test, they want you to really get loaded up <laughs> on that. Here's what's, what's also nuts. And I think I alluded to this at the start. I'm not the only one that loved my surgery. Data from a systematic literature review conducted uh, between the late eighties and, and 2008. So this is on, on older LASIK tech, which had over 300 peer reviewed articles from quote, properly conducted, well-designed randomized clinical trials mm-hmm. found that over 95% of patients were satisfied with their their LASIK treatment. Yeah. The most common reason for dissatisfaction in LASIK patients is chronic severe dry eye. Mm-hmm. And independent research had indicated that about 95% of patients experience dry eye in the initial post-op period and that it drops to about 60% after one month and that symptoms usually begin to improve in the vast majority of patients in the 6 to 12 month range. I am so glad you 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 told us about this because I think there are so many people in the world who are certainly myself are interested in LASIK surgery and the possibility of getting it in the future and so it is fascinating to find out what yeah. the state of the art is I, like. I'm, I'm, I could definitely endorse it. I'd say as you've already alluded, go to a good doc with, with new equipment and a good machine. I yeah. would personally only do the femtosecond laser. I see no downside to it. In less than 150 years, from dudes counting mustard seeds to, to determine their eyesight, to fixing our eyes with lasers. Amazing. That right? is fucking amazing, yeah. right? Like, you figure as a people, we are, what, a couple hundred thousand years old? And in just the past 150 years, we've been like, oh yeah, we can fix your eyesight. I've been starting to feel like I'm a couple hundred thousand years <laughs> well, old. I'm, I'm noticing that in my, I'm, my back when I wake up in the morning. It's the white in the beard i think that really makes you look like that all right we have to get out of here but quickly before we do have you seen or read anything good with your new eye this last week i have i have and as you as you know i don't watch much tv at all did you know that there's a channel dedicated to weather called the weather channel it's just called the weather channel is that right and man i gotta say i loved watching these poor folks try to make something out of the rain in socal was just a delight for me like you had this one guy stationed at some intersection in like palm desert and they just cut to him every 15 minutes he'd be like a little bit of a dampness onto the street just had to make something i'm assuming there's like a guy behind him with a hose just like what sure but they're just like he's like yep it's still raining and this guy just had to like make shit up 
like improv. Well, because like they, they had a lot of time to fill, and it was it, it was eventually. By the way, the rain did come and did come seriously to totally, Palm Springs. Yeah, totally. No, it came and it he rained. He was not wrong. But I, I watched more of the Weather Channel this week than I have in my total life combined. It was great though that we got an earthquake during that. Let's not let's not gloss over that. Let's do everything all. Let's just get it all out of the way at once. By the way, five point one. Did you even feel it? I did feel it. I'm I didn't, I didn't feel it at all. It wasn't much. Yeah. I heard like some creaking. Uh, how about you? What have you watched? Got a great one for you. Yeah. Hannah Gadsby, something special. It is a comedy special. Okay. Are you familiar with Hannah Gadsby? No, not at all. She's from Tasmania, and she's absolutely hilarious and so charming, and the storytelling is so good. Yeah. She is autistic. Uh-huh. I don't know how you become a stand-up comedian if you are if you are it's a lot on the fucking spectrum. harder. Yeah, if you are somehow on the spectrum. Yeah. But she not only does it, but actually talks about her, no her shit. autism. Oh, that's amazing. Her, oh my god, it is the story of how she gets together with her now wife. I'm gonna watch this tonight. Hannah Gadsby, something special on Netflix. On Netflix, incredible. I will definitely check that out this week. That is the episode. Thank you for joining us for all this nonsense. It's a really terrible podcast from The Awful Company. Visit us on the web at nonsense.productions. I'm Steve Little. I'm Jeff Parker. If you like this program, please follow, download, subscribe, and like at Apple, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, our personal favorite, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcast from. Podcastindex.org. Special thanks to our floor director, Jack Little. Jack was our floor director today? I thought yep. I recognized that voice. Thank you, Jack. We'll be here every Thursday morning for more nonsense. Please join us. Are all my kids going to work here at some point? Because we don't have a shoe factory. We have to employ them somewhere. (laughs) Their little hands don't work on the control button. They're better at making shoes.